This is Executive Recruiter 2.0, where we explore the world of executive search powered by Thrive TRM. The right people are out there, and Thrive TRM's collaborative real-time talent relationship management software helps search agencies, in-house recruiters, and VCP firms find them faster. Here's your host, Reid Flesher. Welcome to the first episode of our new podcast, Executive Recruiter 2.0. I'm Reid Flesher, President and Head of Product at Thrive. I launched Thrive TRM about two years ago, and in my role, I get to spend a lot of time talking with talent executives and search professionals. The more I spoke with these professionals, the more I wanted to share their insights and challenges they face daily. So we launched this podcast, Executive Recruiter 2.0, to explore the different aspects of executive recruiting. And that's why we're here today and why I'm really excited to welcome Robert Crowder to the podcast. Robert started his career in sales, spending 10 years at UPS as an account executive. Since leaving UPS in 2001, Robert focused on diversity staffing, segment recruiting, and executive recruiting with the Hartford Group, Aetna, and most recently Vanguard, where he served as the head of executive recruiting from 2012 until this past August. Hi, Robert. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Reed, so much for having me. I mentioned in your introduction that you served as the head of executive recruiting at Vanguard. Why don't we start the podcast by having you tell us why you left and what you're working on now? Sure. So my reason for leaving Vanguard was to start my own search firm. And actually, it has been 10 years in the making, this decision to go ahead and leave. Uh, For me, when I joined the executive search ranks, I had worked for a small boutique firm And at that firm, after a year or so of being there um, and building a business for this person, I started thinking about the fact that I needed to really do this on my own. There were some things that were deeply important to me and things that I thought that I could accomplish um, that caused me to decide to to want to go ahead and pursue my own firm. So once you decide to launch your own firm, why not do it immediately? Because I had only worked for one firm and I had never, ever been in HR before, I decided that for me, it would make sense for me to go on to the client side. So when I left the small boutique firm, I went to the Hartford. And this way, I would have a chance to see how my customers interacted with the service that I sold, understand some of those things behind the scenes after that engagement with the recruiter, what happens behind the scenes, so that I might be able to identify opportunities to add some extra value to my clients in that way. And it also gave me an opportunity to be able to see how other search firms executed searches. I would get a chance to see um, how Corn Ferry or Hydric and Struggles might execute a search, as well as some other boutique firms. So it gave me the opportunity to better understand my customer, um, as well as being able to do a little competitive intelligence of who some of my competitors would be, large and small. Um, So over the course of doing that, um, I kept getting promoted, which also allowed me to say, why leave before I'm the head of? It would be a little ridiculous to leave prior to that. And then once I got to Vanguard and I started thinking again about it is about time for me to do this, I stumbled across your software, which uh, actually one of the things that was important for me, and I thought I was going to actually have to build it on my own um, to create this transparency, was software, which was going to take a little bit longer for me to build up the, the cash to be able to do it and find some people that had that capability. But when I happened to uh, find your software, it, it made the timing very, very favorable for me to go ahead and do this now. 
what is the name of your search firm, and is there a story behind this? Yeah, actually, there, there is a story behind it. The name of the firm is Chapman Farrell Group. And my grandfather's middle name was Chapman. And he was a very positive role model in my life. And uh, naming the business and, and, and give, honoring him with that is something that was important. He was also the first member of our family to get a college degree. So in 1945, he had graduated from Lincoln University. And for an African-American male in 1945 to graduate from college, that was a, um, an impressive accomplishment. Farrell is the name of the small town in which I grew up in. So for me, it allows me to honor my grandfather and remember my humble roots every day when I get up and I look at the computer and I see my company name. Um, those are things that drive me, just being able to think of those. With a decision that was 10 years in the making, what are some of the considerations that you have wrestled with before you knew you were ready to go out on your own? So I, I would say a couple of the factors that impacted the, uh, the timing of it is, one of them is you want to make sure that financially um, that you could set up the business and the infrastructure and survive for potentially up to six months without any income. Um, so being able to put aside a, a nest egg or be able to have enough savings to be able to do the business without the um, fear of not being able to survive up to six months was an important consideration because when you start getting desperate, you start willing to cut corners on quality or compromise your value sometimes. So I didn't want to be in a position to do that. I wanted to make sure that financially I was uh, in a position to be able to do that and pursue the business that I thought was most aligned with my value set. I would say the second thing is, is uh, making sure that I had a network of people that were willing and able to support my success. Um, so when I think about the host of people that I need to have around me, I can't do this in a vacuum. I can't do this alone. And you need to have a support network of people um, that help you to succeed. So whether it winds up being your spouse uh, supporting you, uh, whether it winds up being some other small business friends that you have that help support you, um, some of the expertise that you don't have when it comes to, say, maybe marketing or legal, um, but making sure that you have a network of people that are willing and able to support your success is something that's so important. And then the, the last thing was for me around the technology um, and making sure that I had the technology to support that vision of being able to raise expectations and redefine value. Uh, for my clients. And by constantly raising that bar, that'll be something that will continue to allow my business to grow. Great. So you mentioned this network of people uh, and, and you, this decision, this big decision you made. Do you remember the, the first person you called and, and why you called that particular person? Well, I, I don't remember exactly the first person that I called, but uh, the group of people that I called first when I decided to do this were some of my friends that actually owned their own search businesses. Um, and those were the first people to get a call from me. And what I wanted to know from them was who are some of the advisors that you most frequently use and what questions should I ask them to be able to evaluate who's going to be the best fit for me or be able to help me be successful in getting this started. Um, so that was actually the first group of people after my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I want to learn a little bit more about some of the challenges um, that you've faced so far starting up your own search firm. 
Well, it's interesting. So during my MBA program, I actually, every project that I had to do, I actually used my MBA program to uh, to set up a lot of things that uh, that I anticipated I would need for my business. Even with all that preparation and thinking through those things, there are some things that wind up being challenges. And one of those, I would say most recently, that's probably the most painful right now, is having to be my own chief uh, technology officer. <laughs> there were there are probably more challenges uh, trying to figure out some things that uh, than I ever anticipated. You know, learning about a static IP address versus one that rotates and how that might affect my ability to send out emails or not. You know, that's not something that I normally had to think about or something that I had to deal with. But uh, being in my own business, that was uh, one of the things that was a, a challenge for me. Um, I would say another one is the what you would think would be a simple transition going with FiOS from a uh, from a residential to a business at the same address uh, wound up being more of a challenge than I than I thought it was going to be as well. Another thing that actually is more challenging and and you have to think about a lot more is creating all of my own documents from scratch. So creating my contracts and thinking through the legalese and the language and how I'm going to um, differentiate myself and how do I make sure that's a part of the contract. Thinking about PowerPoint templates, so any presentations that I do for a customer or a client, you know, everywhere I've worked, you've already had templates that have been provided, the color schemes and how you use those things, but now that I'm with my own firm, I got to think through those things myself and think about, well, what is the color palette and are those colors consistent with the unspoken brand and image that I want to share and thinking about things uh, a lot deeper from a branding standpoint than maybe I've had to do before. One thing that I, I would say is that in the executive search space, because there are very low barriers to entry, there are a whole lot of people that can enter this space very easily with no barrier. And as a result of that, there is a lot of sameness as well. So I would say that one of the one of the other things as I think about challenges is really kind of creating a uh, a message of differentiation in a pool of sameness. And usually, and again, from my sitting on the client side, usually when people try to pitch to me their unique qualifications, it's usually about, I'm focused on asset management, or I'm focused on financial services, or I'm focused on, and it becomes a very narrow niche that they're focused on. And that becomes the point of differentiation. And I think that there are many other opportunities that, again, the technology provides in my mind that gives me an opportunity to differentiate other than a um, functional or a um, industry specialty. So the, I guess the, the learning and the, um, the challenge about that is, is that in order to market appropriately, I have to make it narrow. <laughs> the reality is, is that knowing the art of inquiry and, and how to go about search, you can actually get up to speed pretty quickly in any place just because you know the right questions to ask. And, uh, you know, and as a result of that, one of the things that I have to do is specialize 
How do I communicate that? How do I communicate that differentiation, especially since there are so many uh, search firms that are out there that can claim to do the same things? Was there one challenge that was particularly surprising to you? Becoming proficient at QuickBooks. (laughs) So figuring out how to enter stuff in there so that it goes in the right column and your your accountant doesn't look at you like, what planet did you fall off of? You know, those are those are a, a few of the things that I would say were some of the, the biggest challenges right at the beginning. Interesting. Um, so as you start to, to grow, right, acquire more um, clients, and you, and you have to bring in another headcount, what type of headcount would that be? So my business, what I'm planning on doing is being a multi-boutique firm ultimately as I grow. So it will be people that are not necessarily going to be folks that are salespeople that go out and build more business. The people that I'm going to probably focus on are people that are great at managing the client relationships and being able to get more business out of the current client base versus going to find new um, clients. Now, you mentioned, you know, your website and branding. What do you think is more important, kind of overall marketing strategy or or your networking strategy? So that almost forces a false dichotomy in my mind because I think it's more about the and and not the or. Because yep. um, I've just realized that even helping the people in my network, if I don't have strong marketing to support the relationship that I already have, it kind of puts my my friends or my network kind of in a, a difficult position. Even if they want to give me the business, there are other people that usually have to be a part of that decision-making process. And um, if I don't have appropriate marketing material to support the professionalism that I claim to have, uh, that puts me and my my network at a at a disadvantage. So I would say that it is both of those things. But I would say first. Uh, leveraging my network as I'm getting started is probably the most important thing, but making sure that I have marketing materials that actually support the network and being able to help my folks get me started. What does a typical day look like for you right now? So right now in the beginning, um, I would say that the majority of the day is actually uh, researching companies because there is a little bit more power when I give a call to a client or a potential client and I can comment about some of the business initiatives, some things that I've read in the news. Um, as I look at some of the people on the website, because it's it's interesting how much information is available publicly. <laughs> but if I can wind up having a conversation with somebody about the diversity of their leadership team or the lack of diversity of their leadership team, it gives me some credibility that I've done a little bit of homework uh, before I made the phone call. So I would say that there are target companies that I've identified that I want to do business with. I spend some time doing some research before I make the marketing calls. The people that I actually wind up putting in the database that I've actually been uh, taking a look at also helps to build my candidate, potential candidate database as well. So both of those things kind of merge together in the marketing as well as the building of the database because if you're not a client, you're a source. So you mentioned target companies. You know, what, what type of companies are you looking to go after? So I would say that mine is going to actually probably start off broader until I start to bring in some clients, and then it will probably wind up becoming more narrow for the the marketing benefit of that. Uh, Financial services has been the area that I've been in over the last 10 years, Uh, whether it's insurance, being 
property casualty, life, uh, health insurance, or in asset management. So very deeply, I've, I have a pretty extensive network of uh, diverse individuals because that, again, has been kind of a focus area for me in financial services. So that is going to wind up being the primary vertical that I'm in. But there are certain skill sets that start to pop out based upon what's going on in the marketplace that actually drives a little bit more energy. So right now in the whole asset management space, so in the asset management space, risk people are in higher demand than they have been before. And as a result of that, there are some places that I expect is going to have a little bit more demand. And compliance, risk management are going to be a couple of those areas. Uh, marketing skill sets that, be a, that are able to leverage big data and being able to better segment customers and be able to go to them with um, specific marketing messages, I think is another area that is going to be a fast growing or a need that's going to exist in a couple of these places. So is there one thing, you know, through this journey that you're really most excited about? I think one of the things that is most exciting to me, and I think Jim Collins said it well, is that the most important decisions that business people make are not what decisions, but who decisions. So being in this particular business and being able to have a vision on how I can help my clients and my candidates make better decisions quicker, I actually have an opportunity to participate in transforming businesses as well as improving people's lives either personally or professionally. It's the only reason why someone ever gets up and leaves a job if they can improve their lives personally or professionally. And um, realizing that I can play a part and helping to transform a business by helping my clients make better who decisions um, is something that is very exciting for me. So Robert, I just want to thank you for your time today and the insights you shared with our audience and also for being a customer of Thrive TRM. Uh, we wish you uh, much success. I wish you much success as well. 